How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Waterfowl 365. I am your host, Chris Adams. However you're listening to this thing, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Put a little feedback on there. Uh, iTunes, Podbean, whatever it is. Make sure you hit that subscribe. If you're not following along with us on social media, check out BTBN on Facebook and Instagram. There's a closed group, BTBN Podcast. Get you added to that. Keep up with all the latest of what's going on, who's going to be out, or whose episode's going to be out, whatever that uh, is. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I sure would appreciate it. Um, yeah, if you need a, uh, a duck call that looks halfway decent, feel free to hit me up at Unstable Calls. Look it up on Instagram. I can build you a good-looking duck call that doesn't run too bad either, so I've been told. And if you want to get yourself an adult piece of apparel, um, check out Fox Red Apparel on Instagram as well. It is Tuesday, Election Tuesday. Big day. I've had a lot of football going on over the last couple of weeks. Got the presidential race. Got waterfowl season kicking off. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting good. be that good time of year. It's starting to get cold. We just had Halloween. It's good times. Good times. So we figure get back to the Retriever series with James. And uh, yeah, without any further ado, Mr. James Statton. James, what's up, brother? Not much, man. How about you? Dude, another long day of work. It's 75 degrees up here in Missouri after being in the 30s all last week. It felt right. like November, and then once November hit, it bounced up to like back to September weather. It's weird. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it kind of did similar here, you know, over the weekend, last weekend. And, and you know, the week before, you know, of course, everybody's complaining. It was dreary and cold and rainy. And, you know, and I'm a duck hunter going, this is wonderful. It's late October. And this is exactly what I wanted it to do. You know, and then today, you know, it got up to like 76 degrees. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for cold to hit and let's stay there. Dude, it's insane. Did you... uh you said you were going out. You guys opened down there last week at some point? No, no, no. We're not open yet. It's just, you know, the weather's starting to get right. The spec season is open here. I think it opened, oh, my, I think last weekend they started shooting specs here in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, that's more. I know you guys opened duck season at Thanksgiving like we do down here in the south. The, the uh, weekend before. Yeah, the weekend before weekend Thanksgiving. Before? Yeah, we're the weekend before. And, that's, it's kinda, and it's been that way for forever and ever and ever and i guess the old and i'm not sure how much truth there is you know but the old adage is they always open it the weekend before thanksgiving because wings over the prairie festival traditionally is thanksgiving weekend yeah and you know that way that the duck season is open before all those folks get here and we all know duck season is such such a big income thing for the state of arkansas that it it, it, it helps whenever all those people are getting here yeah that's that's no joke man well i was driving around last week you know, we had talked in text message or whatever, and I was like, dude, there are a ton of specs moving through. It drives me insane <laughs> that there is no early goose. Like, there's October, we have those 10 days of honker season, but you can't shoot specs until right. like, almost Thanksgiving, like a week before right. Thanksgiving. And it's like, dude, they're all rolling through a month before that. And just like you were talking about, dude, there are specs everywhere. Oh, it's and, and the part of the state where I'm at we see them like on their way through mm -hmm. and it has been unbelievable the numbers of specs and snows too but just it's just how much more heavily it is specs that have pushed through this area i mean we don't hold them we don't have near the mass amount of agriculture like the east part part of the state does it and that's where they're headed i mean we all know that they're, they're headed to that eastern portion where all the rice and beans and the delta and that stuff is and i've got buddies that have camps over there that you know they're starting to get things ready for duck season and a few of them even spec hunted last weekend and they said it was ridiculous the numbers of ducks that were coming into their decoys before before legal shooting line they were having to not shoot specs because of ducks that were in, dec in the de in the decoys. Oh man, that's the you know, worst. Yeah, you know, but it's. I, I wish we held the specs here. I'd love. I've shot them. I've hunted them, and they're a blast to hunt. But we just don't. We just don't have. Them. We don't hold them in this part of the state. We've got a lot of local honkers, but 
that's closed right now for us. That's shut down. You know, right now it's just specs, and I think you, I think you can shoot snows right now too. But most everybody's going after the specs. The biggest fuss though is, you know, they pulled one spec off the limit this year. It was three, and now it's two. And a lot of guys that are big time spec hunters are already fussed about how bad they're going to miss that extra spec every every day that they hunt. Well, and it's crazy because you know I'm just north of you, like two or three hours. It seems like I see more and more specs every year. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mm-hmm. they're definitely a growing population of birds. I don't know what the counts are this year. I don't think that uh, the uh, federal. The feds did the bird count at all this year because of the COVID stuff. From what I remember hearing, that they didn't even do that. So I don't know where you would get, you know, to take one speck away in the flyway because, you know, what's the point? Right. Well, I don't know what the numbers are, but I do know that there are a lot more of them than there used to be. And it's just, it's ridiculous the numbers that we're seeing come through our area. I mean, even I deer hunt in the mountains north of here about an hour and i'm on my deer stand a couple weekends ago and there's specs treetops high migrating through and it's just it's we don't see that there that just doesn't happen you know and they're just they're put they were pushing through so heavy it was crazy you could hear them at night you know on their way through so it's and i and and really that's that's one of my favorite sounds of all the ducks and geese and stuff. When I hear that late October, first November, it's kind of like a, we're finally there again. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's definitely the kickoff to waterfowl season. That first real nasty, nasty cold front that hits in uh and it's always like rainy or some kind of frozen precipitation, not necessarily snow, but it's always around that first, you know, the first of November within a week or either way and you see the big groups of specs rolling through we haven't seen nearly as many snows i've seen a few here and there uh groups fly over but uh that's always like the kickoff it's like hell yes okay we're back to uh we're back to waterfowl season right we're we're back to the good days as i say (laughs) heck yeah man heck yeah that is it's good um we open up the uh north half of the state this upcoming weekend i believe I right, I, I, yeah, you, the boys up north of Missouri are going to start banging on them, and and hopefully they they blow some of them out of out of there, and make them come on farther south. <laughs> Man, I go up to the Missouri River uh, almost daily, and I have not seen a huge influx of ducks. I don't go to you know like Grand Pass or anything like that. Right. I'm up around Jeff City, which is a really dead center of the state, but I have not seen a ton of birds. Like I said, it's seen a ton of snows and uh and specks roll through, but I haven't seen a ton of ducks yet. I don't really mess with ducks unless there's just a freak cold front for the northern half of the state until around that Thanksgiving time because it just takes so long for them to get there and with everything being frozen up north early this year you know in north dakota they had that big huge snow front i think uh a lot of stuff is going to be slow like we had the big early surge of birds it seemed like two or three weeks earlier than normal but i think the ducks and the mass majority of the snows are going to hang up in canada a little bit longer just because of that uh that snow on the ground in north dakota well that and i think i'm i'm been curious to see how it plays out this year with the with the uh, lack of hunters in Canada. I mean, we all know 90-something percent of the people that hunt Canada are from the States. And this year, they can't go. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've been curious to see how's that going to affect things. Like, <laughs> will we finally see some birds push south that we never see? You know, all those young birds that just get hammered. I, and I mean, and we know they do. I mean, and that's why everybody goes to Canada. It's, 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 it's Disneyland, you know? I think but I'm, as far I'm curious as- to see, do they come south this year? Well, I was going to say, I think as far as uh, seeing the young, dumb birds, I don't think us in Missouri and Arkansas are going to see a huge uptick, a noticeable uptick in the dumb birds. I think the guys up north are going to be banging on them. Like, you know, they're still 800 miles, 900 miles from the border to get down here. It might be even more than that. So I think those guys are going to see a lot better with that stuff. But I know up north like the i've listened to different guys talking about it in canada and they said it's stupid easy this season up in canada like yeah there's no it's pressure ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. i 
I mean, most of your hunters are sitting out here or they're going to the Dakotas because it's as far as north as they can go. Well, yeah, and then with the Dakotas freaking getting all that snow, it's kind of like a, a weird, you know, yeah. no man's land this year. And uh, it's it's still awful early. I think uh, yeah. if we get the it cold, is. we have to get the cold to get the birds further down south and see more numbers. I'm tired of every year you know mid-december rolling around and guys that i'm friends with up in northern states are sending me snaps of you know just fields covered in mallards you know a week and a half after their season's over sure and and we need rain here we're it's it's funny you know one of my good friends is in east arkansas he's got a camp on the white river the white came up like 10 feet in a week last week from some rain oh yeah he said he's like i've never seen it rise that quickly but now it's falling back out again too and you know that's what it's going to do we need water and the state of arkansas anybody as a duck hunter is going to tell you we need some rain especially if you know you're a public land guy you're praying for some rain right now because the impoundments i mean they i don't think the game of fish has even put boards in even the moist soil units they're not going to on the gtrs the green timbers stuff they won't yet because of the new regulations and how they're flooding those things now but even our most soil units we need rain you know i mean we need it bad yeah and then yeah we need and then yeah we need we need that snow that hit the dakotas we need it to hit again and come on down into the northern portion of missouri and freeze up and because you know like a biologist told me years ago the fact is guys if you're a mallard drake sitting in northern missouri south dakota and it's and it's mid to late december those rednecks are done shooting at you and if you've got open water and corn on the ground and all the hens in the world sitting around you why are you going to fly to arkansas to get killed Mm-hmm. i agree man you know you're not going to <laughs> i agree so it's we need to we need their food covered up and freeze the water up and let them, let them then let them come on down here so we can play a while Absolutely. It's the same water-wise with us, man. All of our lakes are insanely low. Like, yeah. uh, you know, our little personal water holes and ponds and stuff like that, that last week and a half of rain or whatever it was, it filled them up really nice and mm-hmm. brought it back up to a uh, a good level. But our lakes are terrible low this year. It's, yeah. Instead of being lakes, they're like little creeks. Yeah, yeah we, need some, we need some serious water. But it can happen. We got time. We don't open till you know another couple, two or three weeks. So we got time. See, we're we're good here. If the water stays like it is in my part of Missouri, and it gets really, really cold outside, and the bigger bodies of water start to freeze, those lakes with the the creeks and rivers running through them instead of being mm-hmm. big, huge, dude, those things are going to be golden. Yeah, like, it'll yeah. be ridiculous. You'll have they'll have so much less water. You know, to uh, to they can't go sit in the middle of the lake when the middle of the lake is a, uh, you know, a fifty foot wide creek now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it'll be good, man. I, uh, it's going to be an interesting season. I'm starting to get excited for it, and get I am out too. Of the, uh, it's getting closer. I'm starting to do prep work, and you know, I got off work today, and I've had some issues. I need to been taken care of on my boat, and you know, we. We kind of put boats through things that probably those boat builders didn't design them to do, and and in return we get cracks and things in, in body in the bodies of the boat. So I've been out patching stuff and getting things ready, and you know I'm starting to kind of get the bug now. It's 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 almost time to go. Well, yeah, and you got uh you got your buddy Scout a little further ready in his advancement, man. How was that? Yep. He's home now, and he's living the good life, the lazy dog life again. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's uh he's home from the from his big run at the Grand, and we've uh <laughs> I think we for, quote formally trained one time maybe since he got since he got home from the Grand. <laughs> we've been he's been pretty much like I said, just taking it easy and living the lazy dog life. He's he's getting ready for duck season himself it's his big fun times coming just like ours That's so awesome. but, but yeah we we uh we had a big time at the grand or i should I say we he did so he he got his first ever pass at the at the international grand back in october that's awesome man did you end up getting to go or is it closed off 
No, it was open, and I could have gone. And I talked to some guys that were there. They were just there to, to watch their dogs and such. But it was a lot of, like, the more of the COVID protocol stuff, you know. The galleries were, from what I understand, a pretty good ways back from the line of the, of the test. And they wanted you to separate and all that sort of thing. So it, it wasn't, a, as far as that goes, I guess, a typical grand for the folks that just came to watch you know so it, it made it a little bit out of the ordinary as far as that goes but i did not personally get to go i i just i was at home and literally for five days straight on pins and needles every day of the week wondering if when i would get the text from my buddy david who was the who's the pro and, and the handler for scout at the grand of when i would get his text of whether or not we made it to the next series Dang, that's freaking crazy, man. I, I do remember that from our last podcast. Now, you were saying you were going to be uh, trying to get Meredith to keep you busy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and he, he would text me every day, and then I had other buddies that were texting, and a lot of us, we all had dogs. In fact, a couple of the other guys that I know that had dogs with David, we were texting each other back and forth, and have you heard anything, and all that sort of you know thing back and forth during the days. And From the time it started Saturday... We were, for those of us that were fortunate enough to get our dogs all the way through, we were literally worse than waiting on Christmas every day of when we would get the text of did we make it to the next one. Dang, man. That's, that's <laughs> freaking insane. Do you know how many people ended up entering? You said it was like... I think, they, I think the final count, originally I think they had like 780 dogs entered. Jeez. And I think after scratches and a few that just 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 dropped out right there at the beginning before they even ran i think they ended up running right at about 740 something dogs holy cow yeah there was eight flights you know eight separate flights you were talking dogs. you were talking six last time we talked wasn't it yeah there was eight they, had, they actually had eight different flights and it was from what i understand the clubs that held that test, that held that held it, and, and were the host clubs, you could say, they did an amazing job to take care of a grand in the circumstances, you know, with COVID and having additional, you know, all those extra flights and all those extra dogs, and they didn't have their traditional banquet. They were doing things like Friday night before the grand started. Typically, the Friday night before is a banquet, and it's a big deal. You know, they introduce all the judges, and they go through all that. Well, they didn't have any of that. So they were doing it virtually on their Facebook page. Holy cow. Yeah, so it was, there was a lot of extra work for those folks that helped to hold host and hold that grand, and they did an amazing job. Because, I mean, you were able, to, as a handler and owner, I was at home or at work, and I could get on Facebook at any moment and see where where the dogs were at, what was in, because I knew what flight. We were in B flight, and I could check to see where B flight was at, and they were showing videos. They were showing pictures. They were doing, I mean, they were covering it really well. That's awesome. So when they separate all these flights, do they, uh, do they have, like, different pools at the, like, the hunt clubs? I'm assuming like ponds, stuff like that. You know, the training pools that you always see the classic pictures of. Do they have those and like rotate them through? Or is it like you bring this flight through and then uh, the next flight starts for the day? Like, are, are they rotating through different? Yes. Yeah. They, okay. There was, yeah, there was eight, you know, eight different flights of dogs. And, in, and, the, and B flight, I think we were one of the larger flights we actually held i think 98 dogs was in b flight God. so they you know they started saturday morning in, in b for b flight and we started that morning on a water test and we were in a on i think i came we were on they have sponsors and i can't even remember the name of the sponsor for that water test but we started that morning on a water series and while we're starting that one a, C, D, E, F, all the way up through those eight flights, they're all starting in different locations on their test, on land or water. Got you. Okay. You know, and, and we ran that water test on Saturday, 
and then we went to a land and then you're going to run up if you're in water your first day you're going to run land the next day and then the next day is going to be back to water you're going to run two waters and two lands in the first four series and if you make it through those then the fifth series the fifth day is the upland is the upland test and okay. that makes sense. Uh, yeah and, and our first series for Scout, and like I've told you, and we've talked before, he's three. He'll be four in December. I knew going in, we were young. He's young. He's younger than the average age of a dog to get a pass. You know, and... What is the average age of a dog to get a pass? The average age is like five okay. to get a pass. That's crazy. You know, and... We've and, and just a little backstory on Scout. He is an amazingly talented dog. He's an amazing animal, but he's had some issues in his past at test of getting overamped, overhyped up, and just having a really bad line manners, and just just not being able to sit still as well as he should, and getting too edgy, too jumpy. And we've had to work through that a lot. I mean, he. I mean, I put like I said, I put his hunter retriever champion title on him, but it was it was there were some times it was nerve wracking because I mean he was he was very animated, <laughs> and we've we've done a lot of work. David has worked his tail off with Scout, and the dog he took to the Grand was a completely different dog than what I'm used to seeing. I went down and watched them train the day before they left, and it, I was just like. Wow, I just—I mean, I couldn't. I mean, but they—that's why you know—that's why those guys do what they do. You know what I mean? They're—they're—they're they're, they're good. Yeah, and, it's almost like putting them in a, a little dog boot camp. You know, you—you you drop your kid off and at uh, the recruiter's office, and then right. you know, three months later, you're like, who the heck is this kid standing up straight? Right. You know? You know, and I was—and I was a nervous wreck at the first day of the grand because I mean, it's—it's it's a big drive to get out there. So, you know, so they ride on the truck all that time. And then they're on the truck when they get there. And then the next morning, I mean, it's, it's, it's time for the show. And he was dog one, number 135 in the grand as a whole. But I think he was like the 40th or so dog in the flight to run. Which, for one that gets hyped up and amped up, the, typically the longer they sit in that truck and they listen to everything going on, their adrenaline just gets higher and higher, you know, and you, you, you can be getting a dog off the truck that's literally walking on pins and needles. Yeah. And I was nervous. I mean, honestly, I was expecting a text of, well, we're done. And Saturday afternoon, I'm sitting here, I'm watching college football at the house, and my wife, my wife had made a comment of, I have never seen you this nervous in all our all life. <laughs> I mean, because I was pacing. Just doing stupid stuff all day, just, just just trying to stay busy. And you have children, which is. And I have, I have two kids. <laughs> I've never seen you this nervous. I'm like you don't yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah, and I get the text, and I was like, I don't even want to look at it. <laughs> you know, she's like, well, I said that's David, but I don't even want to look. <laughs> you know, so I pick it up, and it says we're in the second. So that means he made it out of the first series. And he's into the second series, and I and I just a huge sigh of like, well, okay, wow, we made it to the second. And I sent him a text back of, are we on ones or are we on twos? Twos is perfect. You can get a score of a zero, one, or a two at the grand. Yeah. Twos are perfect. Ones are marginal. Zero, obviously, you're out. Yeah. And he he sent back, we're on ones, and I was wonderful. We're in the second. Hey, we're still playing, but we're uh, we're skating on really thin ice. If you're on ones, that yeah. means you're only allowed to get one set of ones through the whole grand to get a pass. Whew. So that means and now we have rare. and now we have ones after the first series. And he and he and he texted me. He said he had to handle on the go bird, which that means it's a triple. He sees the first one. He sees the second one. The third one comes out. Typically, and especially with my dog, he sees that third one come out, and he's literally like in a catapult over there just say his name, and he's going to catch the grass on fire on his way to the bird. <laughs> right. 
and he kicks him off and scout looks off of the bird on his way out and looks out at another one like he's gonna switch directions and at the grand you live by the motto if you survive bird at bird one bird at a time so david immediately stops him and had to handle him over that go bird well that puts him on ones immediately because he had to handle him because he had to handle on a mark he had to handle on a mark because then he and on the marks you you should be able to just pick them up cleanly on your own well he kills the other two marks and then he one whistles the blind so he just kills the remainder of the test but he's on ones now the thing is now we have to be perfect from that day the rest of our time while we're there and I don't know if he just if Scout just figured out okay that was on me I, I know better or what but he absolutely kills the second third and fourth series the next the next three days in a row I mean he just David said he just set in and he was just rock star <laughs> it's crazy how they know you know like he, yeah. like he said, maybe a switch flipped, and he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, if uh, if I'm not, you know, paying attention, I don't get to go." <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's and I and David had told me the week prior to the grand, look, if I can get Scout to come out hot, come out on fire, doing really good after the first day, I can get him through. I think he's got what it takes to get through this if I can just get him through the first day and get him level-headed after the first day. And some dogs don't deal well with the everyday testing because it, cause it's pressure, mm-hmm. you know, and then after like two days, they kind of start breaking down. They don't, you know, all that pressure and all that push, that it gets to them. And then some of them get better the more you do with it. And he's one of them that, it's like he gets into a pattern or routine of understanding what he's doing. And you, the more we go, the more we do, he's like, okay, I got you. What are we doing next? You know, and he just, he set in. And I mean, every day I was still on pins and needles nerves every day after the first, you know, of, are we making it through? I'd get, all I would get was a text of we're in the third or we're in, you know, he's made it to the fourth, you know, and, he makes it to the fourth series and he tells me he's got to be flawless tomorrow. It's the fourth series. You know, if you make it through the fourth, you're into the up one. You've, you've made it through the four day, just grind. He says, but tomorrow is going to be a big deal for scout because of the way the test is set up. They, the fourth series was a water test. No, I'm sorry. It was a land test. And it was not, the, the test itself, the marks were not really difficult. I mean, they were grand, and don't get me wrong, it was a grand test, and it was a grand level. But they weren't undoable. The big thing for Scout in that test was the, the final bird was a full 180 swing from right to left. That is designed to get dogs that are jumpy to move. It's, it's set up to see are they going to move, are they going to break, are they going to get out in front. Right. You know, it's set up, designed purposefully to see if a dog will. And that's that's usually where we don't do well. <laughs> you know, because when you push him one way, he, he tends to push out. And he didn't. He actually sucks back in tighter to David on that push, and he kills it. Yeah. You know, so, and and we were we were blessed to get our first grand pass. He went to the upland. And I was nervous through the first four days, but I think I was more worked up that whole day of that upland because I've never done it. I don't know anything about the upland test. I'll be honest. I know nothing. Right. I, I mean, I've never done it. I've never trained it. We don't We don't upland hunt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we might shoot at a field lark jumping up out of a pasture in Arkansas, but we, we're, not, we're not shooting pheasants yeah, and quail here. Yeah, we don't pheasants around these parts. <laughs> we don't do that, you know. And the thing is, for four days, you've told these dogs to be tight, don't move, stay close to me, you know, pay attention to me, you got to be on, on task, you got to be sharp. Well, now it's the fifth day, and now you're going to tell them to get away and go hunt. 
Yeah, that's all that, crazy. All that, yeah, all that control, control, control. Now it's push out and go hunt. Go quarter this field, find that bird, engage the bird. But when it flushes, you've got to sit. You've got to sit on that flush. You know, and I was, I was more nervous about that than any of the rest of the test because we trained for all the other stuff. Right. So I was going to ask you: Was there a section that you uh, were immediately more nervous before you know the test even started? Was there something that you were worried about specifically? Was it that upland? The, it was the upland, and it was whether or not because marks at the Grand can be so difficult to pick up like he his blind running i trust him he's a really good line running you line him up and he holds good lines he runs a real good hard true line for you and he's going to handle really well for you the marks at the grand can be so difficult like they they place those birds in an exact spot where a dog never would ever want to go and i was nervous about the water marks more than the land ones just because the difficulty that they can put in water because it's not an open pool that we're going to be running grand test in you know this like our first day that water test i watched i got to watch the video of the test dog running and i was at work watching it and i and i when i'm first watching i'm going i thought they said this was a water test i mean because where the guy's sitting it looks like a hayfield, <laughs> like like thigh deep grass and I was like I thought this was water and then when the dog t- oh it's flooded okay yeah it's a quote water test but it's a flooded hayfield no kidding yeah <laughs> and you can hear and if you when you're on that video if you listen to the to some of the handlers because they're watching the test dog you know this is the dog that's going to show them how the test is to be run before everybody starts actually running for contention you can hear some of the handlers saying, well, you can't even see him when he goes on that, and you couldn't. The dog disappears. Holy cow. Yeah, and I, of course, I'm watching this, and, my, you know, my heart's in my throat going, oh, we're done. This was fun. Yeah. No joke. <laughs> a flooded freaking field. Dogs have a hard enough time with that as it is. A good dog is, you know, like. Yeah. That. And, you know, it's just, I was just like, you got to be kidding, right? You know, but that's the grant. You know, and then like his one of the land tests, it was literally a checkerboard mode, like a checkerboard pattern mode into a big meadow. So it's got lanes and alleys and things cut, you know, mowed clean all through this big field and they're throwing marks in it. Well, that's just, man, that's difficult. I mean, that dogs get in, they see those lanes and they want to run them. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was like, wow, you know, now that he's been to one and he's run a grand, I thought going in that I kind of halfway had an understanding of what the grand was and how it's expected and, and all that sort of thing and what it takes to get through one. But man, now that I've watched and I've had a dog go, I can tell you, I have got such a bigger respect for the ones that pass and get a title man i've got a huge respect for the dogs that do that because that thing the grand ain't no joke it is it is the super bowl to me of retriever work what's the uh the page you were watching those videos on so people that are listening jump it's uh on the facebook on facebook it's the hrc international grands facebook page and then I've got, a, if you get on my, my, my Facebook page, which is my name, James Staten, I've got a couple that I shared that is, one of them is Scout running his fourth series test. And then I think the other video, they showed his Upland test in the fifth series. But you can get on the, the International Grands page, and they've got videos and pictures of all the tests and, the, and stuff that went on. And Man, but the day, the, the dogs that make it through that, I mean, in our flight alone, I think, you know, we like I said, we started with 98 the day one. And I think after day one, going into the second, I think they carried like 60. Jeez, almost a half cut, you know. In the yeah. Flight. Yeah, I mean, and they, they cut them, you know what I mean? And, it, it, and there were dogs that got dropped that were grand title dogs. 
that got dropped in the first series. So is that something, say, you know, he gets his uh, his next pass, you know, whether it be next time or, you know, the two events, whatever, I don't want to jinx, but after you uh, get that title, do you said guys keep running it? Yeah, yeah, you do. A lot of guys do. And that's up to you. It's, it's, a, you know, it's kind of your decision, your judgment, you know, if you want to. And, I mean, if they're young, I mean, like, like I said, I don't want to jinx things, and I'm not a super superstitious guy, but <laughs> if by some reason in the spring this coming year we get to have a grand and they yeah, don't shut down on us and, and such, and, and he goes and he's, he manages to get his second pass, he'll only be four years old. So, I mean, goodness gracious, his career's not over. Oh, no, not at all. He could you know, I mean, we're gonna, we're four gonna, or five years now we, easy. Chances are, if that happens, do I run him again in the fall? Probably not. Just just because the test in itself is a lot on the dogs. But, man, they pre-train for like two weeks every day, daylight to dark. They were in big groups pre-grand training. It is a lot of effort and work on the dogs to get ready for that thing. You know, because they, they push them. I mean, it's it's a lot of preparation. Well, I was going to say, you know, say he gets his uh, his title from the grant. What's what's the next pursuit you could even go from there? Like, obviously not a, a, a higher step, but is there is there another, you know, thing, event that you'd want to chase down in the dog training world with him? Yeah, I would, if he gets his grand title, I would, and, and well, this would be a pipe dream, but... He's, and if he got it, you know, at the age of four, he's still got a good another four years left in him to compete at, you know, at a, at a good level, you know, and be able to do it. But I would like to run him enough that maybe if you get, I think, and don't, and I may be wrong on this, and there's somebody listening, I'm sure that will correct me pretty quickly, but <laughs> I think if you get four passes, you get Hall of Fame in HRC, four grand passes. That would be a big goal to push for for me and Scout. I would love to, in the AKC world, I would love to run him in the Master Nationals, which is their equivalent to the Grand, and maybe get a Master National pass on him. And then a couple of my buddies have joked about running him in the SRS when he gets to be older and on Super Retriever Series, but... That all sounds fun, but I don't know that I'm. I don't know that I'm the type of guy that really would want to run the SRS. It's just, it's just not for me. What What about it is not for you? I, it, like I said, I'm ignorant to all the dogs. Well, I mean, and it's an amazing event. In fact, they just they just held their crown championship was this last weekend, I think, for the for the SRS. And those dogs, man, some of the stuff they do is. is absolutely amazing because it's it's like a hybrid of hunt test and field trials you know we're hunt test you know we're doing stuff that's hunting based and pretty good distances you know and they'll stretch them out at the srs even in their hunt test stuff but then they'll run a lot of white coat field trial stuff we're talking like three four five hundred yard marks you know and and then maybe one of those marks is a poison bird at, at 275 300 and there's a blind out there at 400 that you got to run past that poison bird what's a poison bird like a, a you don't non a mark, they, yeah they saw it come out they see the mark it falls you're going to know him off of that bird and now we're going to run a blind but at the, the thing is at the srs you may run that blind past it and it may be like 10 feet away from where that mark fell Ooh. and if you pick the mark up you're out or you may get so many points that there's no way you carry through. You know, so SRS is a whole other animal to itself. And I just, I don't know, it's it's such a big, big, big event that I don't know that me personally would ever want to run SRS. It'd be cool to try it maybe someday, but that's not really something that's really, I guess you could say, in our scope of things to do. Yeah, I was going to say, man, because, you know, you start with the uh, the basics and you get to move up after, you know, you get accumulate points and stuff like that we were talking about. And right. it's like, you know, the grand is the, you know, the the granddaddy of them all. 
and that world, I was kind of, it's kind of like, hey, where the heck do you go from here? That's cool that there's a lot of stuff since Scout is still so young right. to, uh, to keep pursuing. It's, it's not like, hey, it's over, buddy. Enjoy your retirement. Enjoy just hunting. You know, we still right, got work to do, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I mean, training never quits. You know, I mean, we're going to keep training, especially when they're that young. I mean, goodness, their career's all ahead of them. Well, you know, I just I, meant in the uh, in the competition world, of course. Oh yeah, and, and, and still, one big thing I would be doing, obviously, and I'm gonna I'm gonna push for this. Whether we get, I mean, obviously, I want to get a grand title. We've got one pass now. We need one more. But after that, no matter what happens, I'm gonna push him. We're gonna run weekend tests because I would like to get in the 500 point club in HRC, which you know your dogs accumulated 500 points. You know, and that's and that takes a lot of running tests. You know, it's a lot of weekend tests to run and a lot of a lot of passes. You know, and there's you know there's things like that that guys shoot for, and I I kind of like to do that myself. Very cool, man. That's it's cool that uh, you know there's kind of a, a a game plan, something else to do. Like it's a big right. big retriever world, man. Like it's huge. <laughs> you just think about hunting, but when guys get into the uh, into the retriever game it is it's deep you know yeah yeah and you know it's it's kind of comparative i listened to one of your one of the podcasts you did with jonathan he talked about he and his wife sitting down and looking at what he'd spent in the competition calling world on all the competitions so he could get qualified for the worlds and stuff and when he was talking i was like i don't even want to sit and calculate what i've spent on hunt test and things uh, <laughs> yeah. that's a drop in the not, bucket compared to let's what not even go into that world yeah that's a drop in the bucket compared to what you spend in the dog world. If your wife found out how much it really was, <laughs> it might let's be a not even get into that. Yeah, get yourself in trouble. Well, we were talking about uh, aside from d- some dog running stuff. You know, if you had uh, what we could talk about as far as uh, just some ed- dog education, I guess we could say. And uh, you brought up. Um, hunting with your dog um in a different group like an invite type situation yeah, yeah and it, the reason i did we that, that subject came up you know hunting season's getting here mm-hmm. and everybody if you're not getting the phone calls then i I'll, i need people's phone numbers so i can forward some of the calls i'm getting to other people then of those phone calls of hey man have you found birds you getting birds found mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and it's the guys you hadn't heard from all summer. <laughs> always, always, when it's time to do work. <laughs> right, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, you know, we that subject came up. We were talking, me and a couple of my good buddies of our little, our core group, I guess you could say, we hunt with. And we were talking about that. And when you, when you get that, if you do get that invite and you got a dog, don't just assume your dog's invited. You know, I mean, just because you were invited, that doesn't mean he was, t- he or she was too. Yeah, because you know, your core group might get a heck of a lot smaller if you, uh, if you just bring old, old Fido out to the hunt. Right. You know, I mean, because I've seen it happen. You know, and and it's, and I guess from it, the reason that's the biggest deal to me is what little I, I used to guide some when I was much younger, and. As a guide, you know, we either had a dog or maybe we had some at the club, at the camp, you know, that we would use. And I've had clients show up. I would have a client show up with a dog and be like, hey, well, can I bring my dog this morning? <laughs> well, well, no. <laughs> We've got it covered. Well, I really I really wanted to hunt him this morning. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, you better you know, find some public water. Right. <laughs> I mean, and it's not, I don't want to offend anybody. But it's the same as just getting an invite to public woods. Don't just, I mean, don't assume that your dog is just an automatic member. You know, like if you get the invite, ask, hey, is it cool if he comes? If I, is it cool if I bring my dog? Because it may be a situation of that group of guys, and I know some, that just are not dog people. They just do not want, a, they just don't want one. They don't want one in the hunt. It's more stuff to deal with because, I mean, if you've got one, you know, we have got more gear than the other average duck hunters do as dog people. <laughs> we got a dog stand, we got, you know, and our and everything else that goes along with it. And 
you get an invite to go with some guys, they may not want all that junk going. Well, and there's a difference between not being a dog guy and being a not wanting a bad dog on a hunt. Yeah. We've always been on the hunt. We've all been on the hunt where the dog is terrible, and they're just right. yelling at their dog the whole time. He's not sitting still. He's breaking stuff like that. Like, if it comes down to that, it's like, yeah, I don't want you to bring your dog. Like, nope, yeah, <laughs> nope. A dog has to earn. You know, the dog and the uh, and the handler have to earn their place on the hunt sometimes. Right. You know, and, and if you do get the invite to go with some guys, especially if if, they're, if if it's one of those deals where those guys have been really killing ducks and they extend you an invite and you get to go and they're like, yeah, bring your dog. Okay, you got that invite. Now, you better be sure you watch your dog on that hunt more than you ever do on any hunt with you and your buddies or your family or whoever because you're on an invited hunt. And don't, Mike, I guess it's dog hunt dog handler etiquette if you do don't make your dog the center and core and and focus of the morning don't don't like don't be the guy that shows up and well i gotta get my dog over there and i've got he's got to say he's, he's got to stay right here or he can't see or or he's got to get in this boat up here and don't you know don't make your dog become a nuisance to the guys that you got invited to go hunt with a diva yeah yeah don't look he's we all know you look i love my i love scout to death like he's my own son okay and that's my boy all right but i'm not gonna make it where he's such a big deal that he is he's a nuisance and a a bigger issue than what you know and takes away from the hunt that morning he's uh you you don't want him to be uh you know, take away from the value that he brings. Like the, you don't want to right. negate the value that he brings. Right. You know, and if you do take him, make sure that you know those guys that you're hunting with. Maybe they've never hunted with one. They've never had a dog on a hunt before, and some of them may be really kind of interested, excited to see what this what this going to be like. You know, but the other ones may be like, you know, I've hunted with guys in the past that those. That first volley of birds that get in the decoys, you know, right at legal light, they don't want to pick those birds up because they want to, you know, birds are typically flying thick, especially on public water. You know, they're flying thick, and, and it's just, it's sometimes it's a glorified dove shoot. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I mean, we all know what it's like sometimes, early morning twilight. I mean, and the you birds hope to are, be on those. <laughs> you hope to get on. And if you do, don't be as soon as you shoot kicking your dog off the dog stand to go pick those birds look hold back you know it's you nothing else you can teach your dog to be steady and, and have some honor you know but don't immediately be like hold on i gotta get my dog out you know just just hold back you know remember you're on an invite and so is the dog you know don't don't take over the hunt just because you brought your retriever that morning do you almost have to look at yourself? Maybe not. This is me not, you know, being a, a dog guy. I'm not anti-dog. I just, you know, we don't have a dog on most of our trips. Um, do you almost have to make yourself the dog handler that occasionally shoots once you get comfortable enough in the group? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and, then, and at the same time, if you take them you know your dog's weaknesses don't feel like that morning you got to show off and it, it, you know they get that bird okay if you're hunting a rice field or a big field or a flooded mussel you know whatever it is and that bird sails down out there 150 200 yards and falls if your dog's never picked that kind of bird up before don't let the guys that you got invited to go with be like well you got a dog send him out there to get that don't be like oh don't be like sure i'll get it your dog's never picked that up before you're fixing to really 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 ruin the morning (laughs) if you're not prepared to do that you're fixing to really really become a nuisance are you talking about as in like a specific breed of waterfowl that he's picking up or no 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 like that, that that sailing long bird that you know he never if your dog can't handle you know if your dog can't handle we're not fixed to try to run that blind that morning just because the guys talk you into it because you brought a dog that morning okay okay yeah i get you like say it flies 400 yards off the longest we've done is 75 yards like uh yeah i'm not sitting right 
Yeah, we're not going to do that. You just be like, no, we'll go get it a little bit. When Look, when everybody's picking up decoys, be like, hey, you know, if you're, if you're one or two shy, like, guys, I'm going to take him to see if we can find that bird real quick. Yeah. And then let's let's walk out there and go see if he can use his God-given nose, and maybe he'll find that bird dead laying out there, you know. <laughs> but don't get out there and be like, yeah, sure, and you're back. And, this, and for one, your dog's going to look at you like, what? We've never done this. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you doing, you know? He's going to stop at 50, 60 yards and start, you know, looking back. Yeah, and then you're you. blowing whistles. You're blowing whistles and, and doing stuff that he's never seen before. And only and I've seen it. I have seen it. And it's because you've got peer pressure of guys behind you and you're wanting to pick the bird up. And and, and just you're fine to lose in battle. Just, just, just don't do it. <laughs> So, yeah. say you're out on the hunt, this is totally hypothetical, and, uh, you know, your, your pup's not performing to the way that you hope that they are. You know, dogs just have off days, just like all the rest sure of them. Sure they do. Um, and it's like, hey, you know, other guys are starting to, you know, get irritated with the dog. Is that something that you're taking him back to the truck, or you're like, hey, I'm going to take the dog home? or If it's where you can. I mean, like, you know, some situations... If you're on public land, like some of the stuff we hunt, you're not fixing to go back to the truck very easily. You boat ride you know, for 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, you're on a pretty good boat ride stuff. But just if it's that kind of deal, look, if the dog's causing a problem and he just won't be still or he's he's just, you know, he's vocal or whatever it is, just be like, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to back him up. You know, if it's in the woods, we're going to back up back here off the hole so we don't mess y'all up. You know, and just take one off the chin. You know what I'm saying? And just get him out of the situation. Uh, and that's something that's pretty important is having that humility to understand as the handler. Be like, hey, he just, uh, you know, he doesn't have it today. Something about this setup, it's it's not working. And uh, not getting offended and getting pissed off. Like I said right. on one of the previous ones, I heard uh, Jeff Stanfield say that, you could talk trash about a guy's wife before you could talk trash about a guy's dog <laughs> and get less blowback, you know? Nobody wants to you're hear probably that their right. dog's screwing up. You're probably, you're probably right, you know what I mean? Because the fact is, if look, if you've got one and you get invited and you get to go and they tell you bring your dog, then have fun and enjoy it. But if it's not working out, be willing to say, look, dude, look, guys, it's just not, it's not the day. You know, we're going, like I said, you know, we're going to back off. Or, heck, if you, like I said, if you can go to the truck, take him to the truck, you know, put him in his kennel and just say, dude, today ain't your day, you know, and just, and then go back out there and try to enjoy the rest of the hunt, you know, because you, you, you want to get that invite again. You know, you don't want to be the guy that's got that dog that nobody wants to call you. Yeah, I agree, man. You know. You know, or you don't want to be the guy that's like, well, we're not going to call him because he thinks he has to bring his dog with him. You know, you know, don't don't be so proud that, well, I can't, I, I, I just will not hunt without my dog. <laughs> well, you might be doing a lot of solo hunting in the future. Because <laughs> well, I, I was guilty of that for a little while when I was younger. You know, just look, it's, don't, it's not worth that. You know, I mean... I've got a couple places that sometimes throughout the season I'll get an, I'll get an invite from a couple guys in East Arkansas that when I get those phone calls, I'm like I don't care what we're doing. Yeah, when are we going? Because I know they've got really good clubs or they got really good holes in the woods, and I'm like yeah, when are we going? And I don't even mention scout because those guys, one of them in particular, they've got a big monster blind in the woods on a private club. You can't hunt a dog from that blind. I would love to take Scout on some of those hunts to get him in those situations, but I'm not even going to mention it because it's just not the right. It's not the right place. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know, being self-aware. That's you know, you have to decide. Like most of the time, like you said, you're going to be hunting with Scout the majority of the season, and. Uh, you know, picking and choosing. You have to put the, the priorities sometimes. You're like, hey, I want to keep getting invited to these awesome hunts. And uh, sometimes right. they don't call for dogs. And we're going right. to get home, buddy. You know, I'm a, I'm a public land guy for the most part. 
so I don't get to live, I guess, what they call the duck club life during duck season. So the handful of times I get invited to go to one, I'm I'm in. If it means I got to leave Scott at home, I just look at him. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I give you 364 days a year. We're going to take the day off. Yes. Sorry, bro. Day's your day off. Have fun <laughs> and sleep. I'm out of here. <laughs> Watch Scooby-Doo with the kids on the couch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Say you've been hunting with your, uh, you know, like you said, your core group of buddies all the time, and you get a, a new dog or something like that. What is right. the best way to approach a, hey, guys, I, I, I got my dog last last winter, and, you know, he's coming around on one this year. I, I'm thinking about starting to bring him out. and It's right. kind of a mutual where you guys all hunt together. It's nobody's in particular spot. But sure. I, I feel like that's a, a pretty common trend for, you know, buddies that hunt together. One of them eventually is going to be done. One of them's going to turn into a duck call maker. One of them's going to get a dog. <laughs> One of them's going to think that he needs to do something with decoy. Like, there's always some, sure. a bunch of, you know, redneck ingenuity coming along in groups of ducks. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. How, how do you approach that? Hey, I, I have a dog now. You know, that conversation. Well, and... It's funny because our old group, I guess Scout would be considered even as young as he is. He's the senior retrieving technician. But this year we will have a young puppy, and it's a boykin. But my one of my good friends, he's got a young little boykin female that she. this will be her first season. And I've done some work with her. I've, I've worked with her. Uh, David Robertson's worked with her. And then I've kind of helped Cody her owner do some things with her and this will be molly's first duck season and he and i have kind of talked about that very thing of look this rule number one is since she's young and this is her first year she's not going open in morning we're just not we're not going to do that to her oh yeah <laughs> you know because opening day is a circus at best on public ground it just it is at its best I mean, it's a circus yeah i mean in best case scenario it, it, you hope for a good dove shoot of ducks that morning you're not going to work birds it's just not going to happen you know it's it's mass hysteria of birds it's, it's just crazy it's public land in arkansas you gotta love it but we're not taking molly opening day just enough said and and, I, and at first when we talked about that it, you could tell it kind of bothered him and I understand I've been in that situation where I want to take my puppy I want to I go but he understands now that that's probably not the right thing to do to her for her first trip out you know because you're not going to be able to pay enough attention to her but we're going to take her slowly I mean you know after that first weekend take her on a couple hunts middle of the week maybe even the following Saturday after it opens and she'll get the I guess you could say she'll get the luck of the draw the fact that she's got a backup guy on a stand over there next to her you know Scout's going to be there but Molly's going to get to pick up the easy birds like if we knock those down that are right in the decoys and if she sees it fall get with it sweetheart you know it I'm for it, you know, but as far as the guys bringing one along, you just got to let them know. And that's where you got to hope you got good buddies that are patient because a puppy's first, first full season, they're not fixing to be doggy automatic. It's going to be a coin flip per, yeah, per I mean, and it's, <laughs> especially, and especially that first hunt. Yeah. I mean, because chances are, if it's a good hunt, you've had birds, work the decoys and before legal lot, someone's probably lit, probably got back up and got out of there. You know, somebody started the shooting away from you early before they're supposed to. So now <laughs> there's 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 gunshots going off at a distance. Next thing they know, you shoot and and ninety percent of the time a dog's first hunt, they never knew a duck was even flying around. It's because of everything the sensory overload of everything else that's going on around them, they're not looking up at that group of ducks coming in. You know, and you and your buddies look up and there's three silhouette ducks, as I call them. You know, it's early. Mm -hmm. And you, you punch into them, boom, 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 and you kill all three. Well, they just, the puppies just had to look and there's ripples in the water and they're like, well, I've seen that before. 
they don't know what it was, but they've seen the ripples fall before. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you kick them off, and they may swim out there to that first duck and mouth it and swim right past it. Or they may go straight out there and pick it up and come back. Or they may swim over there and check out the decoys. You know? Yeah. And and they may do that two or three times throughout that first hunt or even through the whole first season. You know, it takes a little while for that switch to flip and understand everything going on. So you, you got to be patient. You know? And if they do start kind of, if you're able to get them out enough and they get some consistent work, the day's coming that you as the handler on that first season, you better get ready and make sure they don't break because it's fixing to happen. They start getting confidence. They're fixed to blow off that stand when the shot fires because <laughs> they start to, well, they start associating shotguns to splashes and that's fun. And they'll be gone. You know, and you just, you gotta, you gotta keep a watch on them. Now, say you're running, um, just like this year, you have the Boykin going to be running with uh scout do you put them on like opposite sides of the the blind or tree you know yeah, trees on yeah different- and we we will early on just mostly so that molly can pay attention because scout really doesn't and, and we he's trained with her we've all trained as a group he couldn't care less about the other one he don't he don't even pay much lick of attention but for her, she needs to be able to focus and pay attention and, and as much as she's going to. I mean, her first year, it's not like she's going to sit up there just, you know, chiseled, shivering, staring at ducks that fly. She's never been before. So, I mean, she's got to figure this out, you know. But keep her as focused and as leaf distractions, I guess you could say, as you can. So, yeah, I mean, we'll have them on opposite sides of, uh, of each other, you know, away from each other and – as far as retrieves and the water, if it's one, two, three, whatever that fall, Molly sees one hit the water, she's going to get first dibs every time. You know, let her go pick up one. When she gets back, I'll, I'll send Scout for one. You know, and then as she progresses, we may, if it's two that falls, Scout may get to do a lot of honoring, which doesn't hurt him any. No, it's always good for a, you know, successful trained dog to practice some honoring. You know, it doesn't, I mean, if she gets to where she can come back and Cody can line her up on the second one that's laying there and she can pick it up, hey, we're learning, we're progressing. He don't have to. He already knows what he's doing. You know, he it'll do him a lot of good to sit here and watch. <laughs> you know, because his, t- his time's going to come in a hunt that we're going to knock down a, a pretty good volley or – a cripple's going to swim off that she, that she can't get to, and we're going to have to get him to go pick up that, that longer distance or that crippled bird. Right. You know, because, I mean, because she is a boykin. They are smaller, so they're limited by size. You know, a 50-yard retrieve for a retriever is like a 75-yard retrieve for a boykin. Right. You know, so she'll she'll wear down quicker. Yeah, for sure, and you know the a duck is obviously going to be bigger perspective wise. Sure, you know. And if we do kill honkers, then she gets to sit and watch because there's no way she's picking a goose up. <laughs> it, it would take her a while to figure it out. Was it, a boykin weighs what forty pounds? I think she weighs thirty. Holy cow! Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. No ten pound goose is getting drugged back. Yeah, I mean he we put a vest, he put a vest on her. This last Saturday, we had a big training day as a group. There's like five or six of us all got together and did kind of just a fun fake duck hunt out of a pit, throwing off wingers and most all this just just, just something fun. And he he wanted to he's he's the new dog guy, so he's buying all the new dog tr- trinkets and toys. And he bought a vest and he put it on her and, and it's got handles in it, and you can literally pick her up above head high with those handles <laughs> and i was like puppy i was like yep you're not doing that with mine <laughs> yeah no joke how much does scout weigh he's about 65 70 Jeez. so he's not big himself for a male he's not big no, at all yeah our uh ours is god she's february so eight months old now and she just hit 56 yeah, he's, he's, he's a smaller frame, smaller built, which I per, I like. Yep, I agree. I, 
I've got a buddy with a big, big, beautiful fox red male. But Chief is another man in the boat. That dog is like 80-something pounds. I can't even do that 80. It's when they start getting up in the the 105, 110 range. I'm like, (laughs) dear Lord, you know? Yeah. That's too much. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, man, I think that's a, a pretty good coverage of bringing... Being on the invite end of bringing your dog to the hunt, we'll have to come up with uh, some more. That's a good thing about dogs, man. It's never ending. Oh, yeah. And as season goes, if nothing else, with the new one going with this, I'm going to have stories. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the best part. You know, you get to talk uh, talk for 20 minutes just about hunting, funny dog stories. Uh, you know, they're always doing something that's goofy. Hunting season. Oh, yeah. And then they'll do something that just blows your mind, amazes you, you know. And I'm looking forward to this year, the biggest thing with Cody and that little boy of when the switch flips in her head and he sees it for the first Because that's such a cool moment for the dog dude to see that puppy, like everything clicks one day. And it's literally like a little light bulb just comes on in their head. Yeah, that's one thing that, uh, you know, as far as waterfowl, I haven't been with a dog on their first hunt. Um, But I've been my old beagle from long ago. I worked with him, you know, with scent training him forever and stuff like that. And we got him in February of one year. And then rabbit season really is, you know, mid-November, end of November. Um, Yeah. And that first time that, you know, he's used to that smell. That smell was always something that worked with him. But the first time that he saw that rabbit break out of the brush and was like, oh, holy crap, that is what this smell means. You know, it was a light switch. He was like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's a game. It's not just, hey, let's find a tree under the woodpile. It's, hey, this is going to be a chase as soon as I kick this sucker up. Yep. It's fun, you know, and we'll we'll actually now I've been sitting here thinking I'm gonna, we'll have two guys with new ones because Mr. Meredith has got a new one himself this year. He's hunting with. Yeah, I remember seeing him post about that uh, a couple yep. weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. Yeah, he's got a chocolate male Woody. He'll be hunting with this year for his first time. So it'll be I'll be interested to see how he how he handles that as well. Yeah, dude, as if he doesn't have enough things going on in life. <laughs> yeah, because he needs, he, he needs more going on, so. <laughs> right. Well, all right, buddy. Um, I appreciate you giving me some time tonight. and Not man, a problem. We'll uh, look forward to doing it. I don't know, season's what, two and a half, three weeks away? Maybe jump on another one right around uh, kickoff date. That'll be fine with me. Cool, brother. Well, I will let you get off here and enjoy the rest of your evening. And, uh. Thank you, man. You bet. All right, buddy. Have a good one. Uh, we'll see. Bye. All right, guys. James Staten with the Retriever Series part whatever we're on. I haven't looked in way too long, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Like it, share it. Like it, share it, enjoy it. That's the normal way it goes. Um, make sure you hit subscribe. Go follow us along. Go follow along with us on social media. It's been a really long day. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, follow along with us on social media, Unstable Calls on Instagram. Check it out or Facebook if that's how you want to look it up. Get yourself a call, um, Fox Red Apparel. Get yourself some uh, adult non-bedazzled jean-looking apparel. And uh, yeah, hit up Seth Owsley over at Swampwood Products. Grab a blank from him. Send it to me or any of the other fine call makers we've had on this thing and uh get yourself a duck call it's duck season have a good one